So we're back again for another episode and we're joined today by Brian Mansell and Brian is co-founder of Gazelle. Uh, Thank you, Brian, for coming on today. Thank you very much, Holly uh, and Ian, for inviting me on. It's a pleasure to be here. So many people won't know, but Brian Brian and I used to work together uh, back in the countrywide days. The good old days, mate, yeah. Absolutely. A few years ago now, crikey, time flies when you're having fun, doesn't it? Yeah, um, I know, it does. <laughs> you're now working in a space which is particularly important because here we are in 2023. It's a very frustrating market because on one hand, we're seeing data that Chris Watkin is providing showing that the market activity is actually okay. And yet we find ourselves in a world where it's arguably the worst of both worlds in that we've got agents that are very, very busy with lots of front activity, so therefore need the resource to maximise the opportunity. But conveyancing has taken an absolute bloody age to go through. I think the latest data shows that it's 180 days or six months from the point of sale agreed. What's what's your intel on that, Brian? What are you hearing? Yeah, the same sort of thing. Um, What's not helping is that you get a few people now and again dropping up in the industry, trying to convince estate agents that sales can complete in a, in two weeks, which the reality is you might have one in a million that does that. But the, let's let's focus on you know the actual market itself. And so you are facing an extremely long and protracted process, much longer than it has ever been, um, including lockdown, believe it or not, when half the solicitors weren't even working. Um, and there is no sign on the horizon that that is going to get quicker at any time. Commercially, it is just crazy, okay? And But it's but it's the interesting thing is that you can't really point the finger of blame at anybody because um, it's no one individually are to blame for this. There's a lot more work that conveyances have to do that, yeah. I'll be truthful with you, I've, the majority of estate agents don't fully understand the transaction process. So actually what you get is you get conveyances trying to, tr- trying to explain themselves for the delays that are not their fault State agents blaming the conveyances because the agents don't really understand the transaction. And all the time, the poor clients, which you know is what we focus on, the seller and the buyer, are sitting there oblivious to what is right and wrong because they've never they haven't done this for 20 years. Yeah. It so, is quite extreme. If I, I challenge people to think of another product that you buy, either anywhere, anywhere in the world where you buy that product or you agree to buy that product, you then don't pay for it and then don't get that product for six months' time later. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Well, you could argue maybe new cars, but well, you, put yeah. down a, you put him down a big deposit, aren't you? Yeah. Well, there's one, one further step to add to your analogy there, which is very good, but also you wait six months and you only know you're definitely going to get it two weeks before you do. Yeah, bonkers, isn't it? Absolutely it's just bonkers. crazy. You yeah, know? It doesn't make any sense. Right, so what have you got with Gazelle? So Gazelle is something that can uh, make a difference. Um, you'll have the data to see to yep. comment on that. So please explain to the listeners what Gazelle is and how it works, please. Yes, of course. So um, Gazelle was formed with the principal desire to increase the amount of certainty that all of the parties involved in a house purchase transaction could achieve, where currently there is virtually no certainty whatsoever. And you've just highlighted that point. Now, I spent a long time, as you know, in agency, um, and and I'll come on to that a bit later. But you know, thinking actually, there's a lot of focus from estate agents on the marketing side of um, of uh, the client of the seller, um, and there's various companies doing progression and and lots more conveyances and so on and so on and so on. But actually, nobody seemed to address the issue of certainty 
in the private treaty market. There is obviously with a new ho new house purchase, there's certainty. With an auction purchase, there's certainty. They both have their own flaws. And so what I set out to do with Gazelle was to try to find a way in which we could increase the certainty and by default, improve the experience for people, try to lower their anxiety levels um, and actually try to make it an improvement upon what is currently there. And so our my attitude was, if nothing changes, then it's, you know, this is how it is. And it's just going to get longer and worse and, and so on and so on. So something has got to change. So you're no worse off without using Gazelle in a house transaction. You're just significantly better off if you have it. Hmm. But what we also wanted to do was, as an agent myself, I built Gazelle principally with the agent in mind because I wanted the agent, as I've always, when I was an agent, respected the work that I do for the client, fully understand that I'm there to help them move, not help the market, but also to give myself some, a little bit of leverage, a bit of authority in the transaction, where the estate agent tends to be sitting in the middle, passing information to and fro with very limited ability to actually be able to verify that as accurate. Yeah. So they're acting a lot of the time in good faith. And they do that, you know, with the, the utmost professionalism. But of course, it leaves them exposed quite a lot to rogue elements in the transaction where they're not being perhaps so truthful. So what Gazelle was designed to do was to actually put somebody in a position, first of all, when they sell their house to say, look, are you prepared to make a commitment to your purchaser by taking your house off the market, but actually guaranteeing that you are going to move, you're serious about this. And if you are, then it's only fair and right that we balance that, that out by asking the buyer to confirm that they have a commitment they're prepared to make and they are prepared to come off the market. And this was the, the principal challenge I, I set out to do. In all the years of being an agent, buyers wanted sellers to take their house off the markets, get the sold slips up, get it off right move, stop showing it round. But actually, the estate agent has absolutely no power and no way of knowing if the buyer has come off the market as well. That's a good point. They don't know that the buyer is switching off their right move alerts or their Zoopla alerts. They're not, they don't know if the buyer is out viewing next week. They just don't know that. Even in fairness, from my experience in agency, a lot of buyers, when they agree to buy someone's property, might not have the intention of mis misbehaving. But as you've just said, they're waiting six months and so many things can change. Yeah. So many prices get changed and so on. So they're tempted all the time to either find something else or lower the price. So we said, look, if one person is coming off the market, it's only fair that the other one does as well. Yeah. Instead of asking people to put up loads of money, which they might not have, and particularly in a chain, where they're relying on the sale to produce the deposit for the purchase. They haven't got thousands of pounds lying around. So we set about saying, okay, how can we get somebody to, you know, make a, a financial commitment, a meaningful one, yeah. without having to spend thousands of pounds and have that with a lawyer that doesn't want to handle it? How can we do that at a significantly reduced amount that does show that they are committed? Yeah. What we decided to do was to say, look, okay, the seller of the property says to the buyer, I'm definitely committed to moving. And here's a contract privately between you and I. We call it a reservation agreement. And I promise you that I will not sell this house to somebody else. And if I do, and only if I do, I will pay you compensation that we agree now mutually as a way of saying sorry. But I will do that on the basis that you match that same commitment to me. So the buyer is then faced with, I've made an offer, the seller's prepared to accept it, they will come off the market legally, but I've got to do the same thing. So I've got to match the same commitment to the seller and confirm I'm coming off the market. And if I then decide 
to misbehave during the course of this process before exchange, then I have to pay compensation to the seller by way of my apology to them. And what we've done, which I've always wanted to do, is we've solved the problem of how do you, first of all, know people are serious and committed without penalizing them up front? How do you also make sure that both the seller and actually the buyer can relax without any concerns that this house is going to be sold to somebody else or they're going to have to pay a lot more money for it if they if they get gazumped? Um, and they can then proceed into the, you know, the unknown of the transaction with their lawyers and mortgage brokers with a lot more certainty. But at the same time, the other issue that we tackled was, well, what happens if something during the transaction comes up that is nobody's fault? You yeah. can't, I don't believe you should force anybody into buying or selling a property. Yeah. So that was the next challenge that we wanted to sort of, you know, overcome. And this was all based on experience. And so we set about creating a, a balanced agreement that was not, you know, exhaustive in terms of a thousand pages covering every possible scenario that could happen. But having a very flexible approach, a balanced approach that allowed the seller and the buyer themselves on each individual deal to essentially construct certain terms that they're both agreeing to. Overwritten on that was four key areas due to my experience as an agent that I knew would be four areas that if they happen would not be at the fault of the seller or the buyer. And yeah. therefore, if one of these things happened and could be proven People are not on the hook for any compensation because it's beyond their control. Yeah, and that is a that that to us is a is a very fair way to do it. Yeah. So we tackle things like survey, for example. Now, the survey is the biggest issue because most survey reports, as you well know, you both know, are essentially horror novels <laughs> that you pay for, um, telling you all sorts of horrible things about the house that you're going to have to look at at some point. And we recognise that. So what we did is we said, look. Really, you shouldn't be using the survey as an excuse to pull out if you've got a wobbly fence or a leaky downpipe. Yeah. Equally, if you don't know something or it hasn't been given, hasn't been disclosed to you that is material yeah. and, and urgent, and to define material, we make that 1% of the value of the property okay. to fix, and it has to be urgent, so it's got to be done immediately, not something that they can decide to do in two, three, four, five years' time, then... If the parties are unwilling to negotiate and that is proven from the surveyor's report to be true, they are able to walk away without any penalty. Makes sense. The second one, and perhaps the biggest one, was the chain. So, of course, in a chain, as we all know, sometimes a buyer turns up to look at a property and they've already arranged the sale of their property. And the reservation is designed to be done at point of sale, not later on. So you've got buyers that want to buy a property. There's a reservation on offer from the seller. They really like that. They sign that agreement. But then subsequently, the buyer loses their buyer through no fault of theirs. The seller is not contractually obliged to stay with this buyer. They can remark it immediately. Yeah. And, um, and no one has a penalty. Interestingly enough, though, where that's happened, and it does happen, sellers are actually quite keen to give the buyer a bit of time to resell and not jump straight back on the market because it's kind of like this. And I love this about what we've done. There's kind of like a, a partnership between the seller and buyer here where they've both been truthful with each other. They've both been committed. They've both got skin in the game. And actually there's a lot of respect between the two parties that, that really may not have existed in that form before without this. So there's a little bit of honor that we see from clients, which is, which is really wonderful. Yeah. Um, and then the last one, the, the, the other major one is, of course, is the finance. So, and this is the very interesting one because, particularly with the 
challenges we've all had with the market since last August. Um, we don't believe it's it's un, it's fair for a buyer to be forced into paying compensation if their mortgage offer expires due to delays or the yeah. bank or the lending source pulls the mortgage rate and suddenly jacks the rate up by 2%. Yeah. But what we what we do insist, and this helps the estate agent, is a clear and transparent picture from the buyer before they sign. Yeah. They have proof of funds. Yeah. And also they have a you know a mortgage agree, a decision in principle. Yeah. And are fully aware that if they have omitted any information to their mortgage broker to get the decision in principle, they could actually face a penalty. It makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. And what and you mentioned um a compensation so that it's an equal equal amount that is put into the pot by both parties yeah and that's that's equity isn't it that's equitable and, and is, there a, is there a time limit to the agreement i mean could yeah. it be 20 years could it be six months maximum okay makes and sense and again we allow the seller to choose and the buyer to choose that period of time and, and most of them choose two months or three months and, and do their best to get to exchange and if they don't quite make it and the agreement is up for expiry we can extend the agreement for a longer period if they both agree free of charge. Right. So here's the big question. Where does the money sit? So the money that they uh, are on the hook for, they're not paying up front. So they keep okay. the money, they're not paying it. Okay. We charge a reservation fee mm -hmm. to the buyer typically, uh, and that's the 500 pounds. But the seller, if they wish to, have the option to split that down the middle, which the majority of them do. And the most popular method is the seller asks the buyer for the fee and then refunds half of it on completion, okay. which is quite a safe bet. So this, the seller of the property is not actually having to find any money at all up front. And in the event that one of the, the uh, issues occur where somebody has to back out through no fault of theirs, they get a full and immediate refund of any money they've paid. Right. But what that does, and this is the, the, this is the critical point, there's two other critical points here that we built in. We provide a guarantee to both parties equally that in the event they break the deal and then they refuse to pay the other side's compensation, we make that payment. We then have the debt of that assigned to us and we pursue that defaulting party right. to repay us. Okay, that's interesting. We have the full power of the courts to do that. Okay, so it's a, it's a tripartite agreement effectively, isn't it? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yes, yeah. and we, we provide a signed guarantee that is insurance-backed. So we insure Gazeel on every yeah. single individual reservation agreement. So if we cannot recover, we can we can recover the funds ourselves through our, our insurer. Mm, that is interesting in itself. It's a very strong bond for people, and it gives people a hell of a lot of confidence in the product because they don't have to face additional solicitor's costs or additional court time trying to get some money out of people, which, of course, they have to do in the new home section. Yeah. So what does what does your data show you in terms of um, improved conversion rate, lower fall through rates, etc.? Yeah. So we, the other part of what we do is we provide, um, for all intents and purposes, the seller when they list their property the ability to become sale ready, yeah. which essentially means they can produce all of their law society documentation and provide that to any solicitor they want to use. Okay. We don't have any affiliation to any particular conveyancer, so clients are free to use whoever they want to and they're obviously their estate agent's recommendation. But what this does is it enables the seller, when they list in the first few days of listing, to provide a, a material information pack to their estate agent, which the estate agent can then review, advise on, but more importantly, provide for the buyer to be able to view before they make a formal offer on the property. Yeah. And all I've done here is I've taken the part of the process that we all know is typically done when the sale is arranged, 
and the seller suddenly has all these different people descending on them with forms and payments to make. And they get very distressed because no one gives them any help with this. So we actually help them at the very beginning, free of charge, with no obligation for a reservation to have this pack done, which includes anti-money laundering checks for free and yeah. also their full OC1 title pack. That's that also, by default, gives the agent a very sexy compliance pack at the very beginning that they don't have to pay for. I mean, we know from our olden days in agency that um, fast track was something that we used to yeah. promote a long time ago, isn't it? Yeah. And yeah. For, the, for the life of me, I can't understand why every agent doesn't do this. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, so it, it both poses the question, Brian, and you're, you're um, also a uh, professional trainer as well. Yep. Um, what is it? That, what training do agents need? Um, to be able to deliver this in the living room because clearly there is something so that's a very good point the our model allows the estate agent in partnership with gazelle to simply introduce the concept of we follow the government's how to sell guide which yeah. very clearly set and here's a copy mr buyer mr seller yeah this very clearly sets out the importance of being sale ready and the importance of asking for the commitment from your buyer if you're prepared to give it now, 90% of sellers that are introduced that way simply say, well, yeah, that sounds like a no-brainer. And what the agent then does is say, I'll ask my colleagues at Gazeel who help us with this to give you a call and explain it. And then we jump on the phone and we don't sell to them because it's not doesn't need to be sold, but we then provide assistance on the preparation of the legal pack and also the options for the reservation, which the sellers typically will go, yeah, that sounds great. We'll wait until we've got a buyer, which they need to do, of course, and then we'll pick that discussion up later on down the line. We have some agency and of course, like, like all um, businesses that just do it all themselves. And in fact, they can actually do everything on their mobile phone in the client's home in a matter of 10 minutes. Because I focus when we built the technology behind Gazelle that fuels a system, as I said at the beginning, I focus entirely on the agent in the living room on the couch, not handing out pamphlets for third party companies all over the place because there's too many to do, but saying, this is what we do that sets us apart from our competitors, no matter how big or small they are, this is the right thing. And here's the guide that shows why we do it. It's best practice. All right. So I am going to ask the data question again in a moment. But before hmm. I do, the summary the summary is it's an up upfront provision of information pack that's available with a reservation agreement at the back end that, that bonds, bonds the commonality between the buyer and the seller. Correct. It's good. It's good. But the reservation is an option. It's always going to be an option for people. Okay. So, and when it comes to negotiating the reservation um, amounts, is yeah, that yeah. something that you your team does? We do. I mean, there are certain situations, of course, where that is quite simple for us because I'll give you an example. We had a seller last week who was moving abroad. They were having to pay £20,000 of rent up front for a year to secure their property. Yeah. And so they decided to ask for the £20,000 guarantee. So in the event their buyer defaulted, they received a payment to cover the loss they've made on their rent. Right. So sometimes the circumstances individually dictate the amount. Yeah. But actually, we also we also ask people to be realistic. We've had people at selling a half a million pound house asking for a hundred thousand pound guarantee, and we're saying yeah. that's just ridiculous. You don't need that. Yeah. You know, five two to five thousand should be enough because this is not a money making scheme. This yeah. is there to act as a deterrent for people to misbehave during and 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 to encourage them to respect and trust each other. Yeah. But we will typically have that conversation. We provide the agent with a with a table, good old fee days of uh, of our agency days, fee yeah. scales. So we yeah. provide the agents with a, a rough idea of a fee scale. Yeah. 
Um, and in the event they have a seller that is selling and buying, then we only singly charge. We don't double charge sellers. So they have a free onward reservation at no cost on their onward purchase. So what does the data show you in terms of um, reduced fall-through rates? Yeah, so um, the, the overall, and we of course we have agents that use Gazil on every deal, and we have agents yeah. that use Gazil on now and again. The overall combined amount is a 70% reduction in the estate agent's stated fall-through rate. Wow, that's pretty meaningful. We've got an agency, um, a couple of agencies actually, that have that started their business with Gazil baked in, and they both operate at a lower than 5% fourth rate in their town. And these are significant towns. And that has helped them establish a foothold, a, a strong market share foothold very quickly because they have a, a an ironclad USP that they take out now, backed with data that just blows everybody else out the water. There's the stats from 28. They've all got 26 to 30% fall through. We're the safest agent to do business with because ours is under 5%. Yeah. Got it. And um, the old saying, a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. Yeah. How well does Gazelle work when you've got one or two parties in a five uh, unit chain that are bound by each other, but they've made a commitment to each other and the others aren't? Yeah, that's a good question. So we've got one at the moment of a chain of four. The only party not in the reservation is the first time buyer at the very bottom, which was their own choice not to make a commitment. So the seller of that property decided to leave all the market, but the rest of the chain is, is, uh, is reserved. So, in that situation, those links have to behave with each other, but they are all aware that in the event that the first-time buyer walks away, well, then they're all free to free of their obligations of the reservation at that moment until the chain reforms. But what we can, well, we, I'm never going to guarantee it because I'm never going to give any false information, but what we would expect to see in two parties in a reservation agreement is them reaching the ability to exchange approximately 19 days faster than without the service. Okay. Now, whether they do or they don't is back to your analogy. You can only exchange as, the, as quick as the fastest, slowest link in the chain. Yeah, yeah. And that's the frustration of the system at the moment, isn't it? Without yeah. that. Well, one question has sprung, sprung to mind when you're talking about you've got an a, a indemnity policy in the event that it has to pay out. Yeah. Um, what's stopping uh, indemnifying the entire process? So I don't know whether the, this insurance company would be interested or not, but... Similar, similar to selling sunsets where they sell a 42 million pound pad and they say, right, they're moving in in three weeks time. Yeah. In America, they indemnify against the title. Is yeah. that something that it would ever be a possibility in your opinion in the UK? Yeah, absolutely. There's no reason. I mean, there isn't anything that can't be done. It's just depending on the willingness of the, of the market itself to embrace these yeah. changes and actually look for these solutions. That in itself is one of the biggest challenges. Um, but we have, you know, we're able to indemnify an entire chain under an agreement, for example. Um, we're, in we're, we're able to indemnify title because one of the, the fourth reason for the Gazelle reservation to default fairly is a, is a bad title. I was going to ask you about the fourth one. It's bad title. Okay, thank you. Yeah, yeah, bad title. And that's one of the reasons that we actually receive the title documentation at the very outset before we do anything else. Yeah. Because if there is anything onerous on the title, whilst we don't advise the public on the title, that's the job of the lawyer we do flag it up with the estate agent and say, hey, you want to investigate this, but we won't be doing a reservation or upfront information until you can clarify this situation or the title because you're not going to be able to sell the property. Mm. Um, and that kind of, you know, But thankfully, that doesn't happen that often, so that's quite a rarity. Holly, I, I know you've got a croaky voice, Holly, but what have you heard so far? Well, I've heard that what sounds like a really simple system that should always have been in place because we always talk about 
in all of these conversations is how important communication is. And it is a wonder, isn't it, that buyers and sellers don't ever communicate with each other. There's always this kind of multiple middlemen. So I guess my question, not being familiar with the service myself, is how does it work in terms of communication? Is Do you have an app for your service? Well, our, our service is built on mobile, so we don't necessarily need an app. The, the, the seller is primarily the one using the portal that, that we create for the seller so they can go on there and complete their forms and then and they can order their reservation and they can do various things, email off all the PDFs to their lawyers and, and agents and so on and so on. And we provide the same for the buyer when the buyer is involved with the reservation. Um, the agent has very little to use the technology uh, in terms of the technology and that is very deliberate from my side because there is a thing I call dashboard disability, which most agents suffer from at the moment with an overload of technology on top of them. So I built this very much with the, the the consumer in mind, to use that expression, the seller, and making it really easy for them to do stuff on their phone, on their tablet, on their laptop. And they provide that information to the estate agent who is there to check it if they want to and, and, and have a little look at it. Uh, and we're integrated with a number of CRMs, so that makes that process even easier for the agent. Um, <clears throat> but, um, but ultimately, that's what we designed to make it easy for the seller and the buyer to actually communicate. Although we don't allow them to communicate directly on the platform. Right. And, okay. and the reason for that is that there is sensitive legal information being produced by the seller that if it was just given straight to the buyer could cause significant problems with disclosure and legalities in the transaction down the line. So we very deliberately stand, you know, stand in between that. And we kind of place the agent there to say, look, the information comes to you, for example, one of the things I disliked about auction was the ability to view a legal pack on a on a website without actually have any intention of buying that property. So we, I very deliberately by design did not want this sensitive information, this private information that the seller is producing to be out there for anyone to log in. So the control of that information is very much in the hands of the estate agent, which does give them you know leverage in there with the buyer. And also a really nice viewing close. If you like the house, I've got this great information. Do you want to see it? No, then you don't want the house. No problem. If I do want to see it, I'm quite keen on the house. And then they will transfer it on to the buyer to have a look at. So what's next for Gazil? And are you um, developing it at all? <clears throat> we have a, um, as somebody in my marketing team would say, a road to perfection. Although I suspect by the time we get there, perfection has moved on a bit. So <laughs> it's an ever... You know, it's a, it's a continual journey, right? We all know that. Um, but yeah, we're, we're currently looking at a number of options. My my utopia for this is actually um, a, a proper home moving service that the seller can engage in, potentially prior to choosing an estate agent, and have themselves trained and educated on what they're going to face before, with respect to my industry, they get the salespeople turning up, telling them everything's wonderful, which it isn't in most cases. So I wanted to have a, a fair and independent way to educate the seller and the buyer before they engage in the salesmanship. And then when they present themselves to the estate agent, they're doing so with everything ready, compliance pack ready, legal pack ready, you know, um, showing the estate agent that they are committed to the process that they're now going to ask the estate agent to help them achieve. Mm. And I do think I, I come up that that development for two reasons, fundamentally, because I think it's grossly unfair for estate agents who front load a lot of cost to list a property and you know and all the things that they do 
only to find out that that seller then doesn't want to sell the property later on down the line. Yeah. And so I've very much come at this from the commercial side of, a, of an estate agency model that, as Ian has already said, realistically, you spend a load of money and you've got no return on that potentially for six months and only a 70% chance. And you'll only know that two weeks before. That's yeah. just not an investable commercial model for anybody anymore anyway. Um, and, and I urge estate agents who I talk to on a daily basis to look at the commerciality of improving the process as well as making their customer's life a lot easier because that's really what they say they do. Yeah, I get that. So, so Brian, I'm going to have to ask you a off-topic question, if I may, yeah. because you're, you're a great person to ask that. You're a brilliant estate agent of many years. You're an industry trainer and you are a co-founder of a tech company. So you're particularly well positioned to answer this question. Is agency becoming too reliant on technology? Yes. Mm. When I say that, there's a, there's a caveat to that. I think there's too much technology in a state agency. Yeah. I think it's very difficult for your estate agency business who are super busy to uh, particularly, you know, the SMEs that make up this, this, this great industry of ours, people who are really care about their clients and are, you know, got everything on the line for that. It's very, very hard for them to understand, you know, which technology is the right and how does it fit into our process to make the process good for us as well as our customer. So I think there needs to be some reliance on technology. Yeah. But I think there needs to be a significant scaling back of the available technology so that there is a very clear this is the part for the front end. This is the part for the marketing end. This is the part for the transaction. This is the part for the after bit. And actually, when you map that out, that takes time away from your the administrative burden on you and your team. So you can spend yeah. more time with people. Yeah. Potentially lowers your cost. But it's got to match with the consumers making their journey easier and better as well. There needs to be a sim uh, sort of a, a parallel with the client as well as the agency business. Yeah. Yeah, it does, it does make that... That scenario of understanding where the tech sits in the um, customer flow or the transactional flow, not customer flow, transactional yeah. flow is actually really important, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's you know, that, guys, that's why I, when I looked at, I mean, the only way I was ever going to come into this and do a startup was to tackle a problem that I was very, very conscious was, was there and had experienced firsthand, as you have, yeah. for many, many years. You know, I, I first realised the magnitude of this problem in 1988 as a 17-year-old negotiator in an independent estate agency when I sold my first, one of my first properties, which happened to be back then £2 million. Don't know how I did it. It was a bit of a fluke. <laughs> and then two days for exchange, I'd already spent my commission. It fell through. And I could not get an answer as to why from anybody. Yeah. And, and all those years ago, that, that, that feeling... And that frustration never, ever left me. But then equally, when I was, you know, Ian, when we were together, when we were looking at, you know, looking after our, our corporate businesses, you know, you remember the budgeting process. We would yeah. budget in for failure. Yeah. Just, just crazy. We're going to yeah. lose this many properties and we're going to have this number of fall through. So we have to push the numbers up to take into account these failures. And I was kind of like, and I used to get into hot water all the time by saying, why don't we do something about that problem? Then we've got an automatic 10, 25% increase in our business. Yeah, you can't solve that. It's just it's just what happens. It ticks the too hard box. Yeah. It's dressed yeah. in brown overalls and looks like work, right? That's the problem. Yeah. Um, Very interesting indeed. But I just got to a point in my life where I thought, come on, 
someone has got to do something. I, I sat with the government, I sat on the home buying and selling group, found some fascinating people, very motivated, very good at talking, no action. And yeah. I thought, actually, you know, I'm either going to do something about this or I'm going to be in the crowd of people who will forever moan about it. Yeah. Do something. Positive action. Like it. So if people want to find out more about Brazil or get in contact, how do they do that, right? Uh, they can go to our website or they can just contact me directly on LinkedIn personally. I, I have, even though we're quite a big, a big business now, I still make it absolutely non-negotiable to everybody in my business that any inquiring estate agent of any shape or size, any experience, I will talk to them first. That's great. That's really good. Great leadership. Well done. No, I think that's perfect. Thank you, Brian, for your time today. It's really interesting just to learn more about the product, about the service. And it's always interesting to know how these things came about and to know that you were an estate agent yeah. suffering with that exact pain and you came up with a fix for that pain. I think that that's exactly the prop tech that we need in the industry, not just like we do come across prop tech that doesn't actually solve a problem that doesn't exist. So it's good to know the backstory. Yeah, it always happened once to somebody and then they go and, they go and raise a billion pound of someone else's money, spend it to fix a problem that definitely only they experienced. <laughs> Brian, good. thank you so very much, my friend. Love you.